So far, the Republican primaries have not had many surprises. Now, they aren't technically a done deal, but it's looking like former President Donald Trump will take on President Joe Biden in November. That begs the question, what was in it for the candidates who challenged Trump? This is Swamp Notes, the weekly U.S. politics podcast from the FT News Briefing, where we talk about all the things happening in the 2024 U.S. presidential election. I'm Mark Filipino. I'm your host. And today I'm joined by the FT's Lauren Fedor. She's our deputy Washington bureau chief. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Mark. And also here with me is the FT's Peter Spiegel, our U.S. managing editor. Hey, Peter. Thanks for having me. Catch us up to speed, guys. Even though there have only been two contests, it has felt like a lot. Yeah. What's the old saying? You know, a week is a lifetime in politics. And boy, yeah, a lifetime, it's a lifetime in this last week. So again, just to rewind slightly, Iowa was just over a week ago. Ron DeSantis bet it all on Iowa. I mean, went to every county, 99 counties, spent a huge amount of money there and barely finished second. So on Sunday, he dropped out. And so we moved to New Hampshire in two-person race. And actually, Lauren, actually, you were both in Iowa, New Hampshire. Yeah. So in New Hampshire, as you say, it was a, a two-person race between Trump and Nikki Haley, the former South Carolina governor and his former U.N. ambassador. Haley, much like DeSantis had bet it all in Iowa, Haley pretty much bet it all in New Hampshire. Uh, but she still fell short. She came in second, 11 points behind Trump. And now it's really a, it's really a two-candidate race going into South Carolina, which is the next primary. I want to step back a little bit. Uh, you were in New Hampshire, Lauren, for the primaries. What went so wrong for Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis? Well, Ron, Ron DeSantis, even before the, the primaries. Yeah, long before uh, Tuesday, Ron DeSantis had pretty much given up on New Hampshire. He wasn't campaigning there. He wasn't spending money there. And that raised a lot of alarm bells and made a lot of people think that maybe he was going to drop out. And in fact, he did. Now, in terms of Haley, she tried to build this coalition of voters that included both more moderate Republicans who wanted to go in a different direction than Trump, as well as independents who are allowed to vote in primaries in New Hampshire and play a pretty big role in determining the outcome there. The coalition just wasn't big enough. But one of the things that was interesting to me, both in New Hampshire but also in Iowa, was listening to so many of these Trump voters talk about him really as though he was the incumbent. You know, he hasn't been in the White House for coming up on four years, and yet voters are thinking about what he did last time, and they say they want to give him another four years. One of those voters who who basically said as much to me was Tina. She was standing outside of a polling station in Wyndham, New Hampshire. Did you consider any of the other candidates? No, I did not. Why not? Um, because I think that Trump can continue to pick up where he left off and take us back where we need to be. And that really speaks to that idea that you, you've, you've made about Trump almost being like an incumbent. Totally. I think that, and I count myself in this, I don't know what you think, Peter, but I think a lot of us just underestimated the power of Trump's almost incumbency in this process. Let me let me agree with you on one thing, Lauren, which is this sense that he is the incumbent, but disagree with you on something else. Because I think mm. I think you're you're bunching together DeSantis and and Haley, and I think that's slightly unfair. I mean, DeSantis quite possibly ran the worst campaign in the history of modern presidency. Right, <laughs> this guy was beating Trump a year ago in, in in some polls. You know, sitting governor of Florida, just won re-election by a million votes. I mean, he had the momentum and just couldn't get it right. I mean, all he had to say was. You like Trump? I am Trump, except I'll make it work. And he just <laughs> couldn't articulate that in any 
way. I think we forget that even as the debate started a few months ago, Nikki Haley was an asterisk. I mean, she was one of, you know, almost a dozen candidates. No one gave her a shot. And lo and behold, she put together a strategy that has led her to a point where she is the last challenger to Trump. The other thing I'll just say where where I think the interpretation I would disagree with is if we consider Trump as an incumbent, which I think is the right analysis, if someone challenged an incumbent president in New Hampshire and got 43% of the vote, we would be saying alarm bells, right? Remember you know, George H.W. Bush, when he ran for re-election 92, Pat Buchanan challenged him in New Hampshire, got 24% of the vote, and everyone thought that George Bush was dead. And so I think what Iowa and New Hampshire tells us is Trump is almost the prohibitive favorite to win the nomination, but he is damaged. And I think there is, there's a narrative coming out of Iowa and New Hampshire that he's a juggernaut and he can't be touched. But boy, he did, he only got barely above 50% in a very conservative Republican Party in Iowa. And he got 54% in New Hampshire, where he still struggled to get even Republican votes. Peter, just to pick up on a couple of those points, when it comes to the fact that Trump is you know, maybe performing as an incumbent, performing incredibly badly as an incumbent. That is something that the Haley campaign is really hammering home. And that is their message in part as they head into South Carolina. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, particularly if she can hang on beyond South Carolina. Right. Peter, you had said that Ron DeSantis ran the worst campaign possibly that mankind has ever seen. I would point out that he and Nikki Haley are running campaigns, whereas Trump, you know, he's not participating in debates. Yes, he's getting out on the ground, but he's not doing nearly as much as the other candidates. And he's still far and above the lead candidate. Have we ever seen a primary season like this where one candidate does so much less than the others and comes out on top? Well, yes and no. And, and I know sort of Lauren has accused me of, 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 of aping Haley talking points, but, but on this one, they're not wrong. Right. I mean, he was president of the United States for four years. Do you have universal name recognition? I mean, everyone knows who the guy is. Presidents don't run in primaries. So that's why I think the, the analysis of looking to him as an incumbent, and again, it may be the, the, the argument that the Haley campaign is making, is not wrong. Incumbent presidents, you know, Joe Biden didn't show up in New Hampshire, even though he was running against Dean Phillips. Right. So I, is it different than any than any primary we've seen before? Yes. But because we've never really had a president who served one term, lost for four years and then ran again. Like the last time that happened was, was Grover Cleveland, right? So, yeah, so more than 150 I, years ago, right? Exactly. Like that. So maybe I am, you know, aping Haley points, but I don't think it's necessarily wrong. The other point I'll make about Haley, where the argument, I guess, runs aground slightly, is there used to be a, an argument that Will, Will Rogers, the famous humorist, once said, which is, you know, Democrats like to fall in love and Republicans like to fall in line. The Democrats were the ones who sort of got carried away with ideology and emotions and and picked people like you know George McGovern and, and and Michael Dukakis. And it was the Republicans who were very systemic and they would they would <laughs> wait their turn and and everyone was either named Bush or Dole or Nixon. It's now flipped the other way around, where the Democrats tend to try to go with the electable one and the Republicans are swept up with passion and don't seem to care about the general, right? And so Haley's argument that only I am the one that can beat Biden doesn't seem to carry any water right now with a Republican Party that is carried with ideology. And I think that's, although her analysis of the situation might be right, I'm not sure it's a winning strategy. Yeah. And you know what? I agree with you, Peter. Being out on the trail in New Hampshire and Iowa before it, you know, naturally, I think about four years ago when I was covering the Democratic primary, and we saw exactly that electability argument play out in real time, right? I mean, that's a huge reason why Joe Biden was the nominee. 
and ultimately became president of the United States is because Democrats across the country decided that he was the most likely candidate to be able to beat Trump. And I just don't see and hear that when I talk to Republican voters. The one, I think, X factor here that we haven't touched on yet, which is important and cannot be underestimated when you're talking about Donald Trump, is the role of his uh, indictments and the role that all of the criminal problems that he's facing, or trials rather, um, are playing in the kind of hearts and minds of these Republican voters. Again and again and again, when I talked to people who said that they were going to be voting for President Trump and I asked them why, unprompted, they would bring up his legal troubles and they would say that he was a victim of some sort of democratic effort to try to get him off the ballot, political persecution. One of those people was Ted. He was standing outside of a polling station in Wyndham, New Hampshire. And here's what he had to say to me. He's being besieged by a two-tier justice system, clearly directed by President Biden. It's the first time in history where a sitting president is going after his major political opponent by trying to imprison him for over 500 years. If that doesn't smack of dictatorship, then nothing else will wake up America. And then on the other side, you know, you have Haley voters who see this as either a distraction, an electoral liability, or they, you know, they see him as a criminal and someone who is not worthy of holding higher office. So then just inside where Ted was outside uh, holding his signs and encouraging people to vote for Trump, just inside of the school was Mary, who had just voted for Nikki Haley. Again, I don't understand why people vote for somebody. And she, he keeps calling Biden Crooked Joe, you know. And I think Crooked Joe's not in front of the judge every week. So, Peter, we went into this primary where Trump was the presumptive nominee. And here we are after Iowa, after New Hampshire, going into South Carolina. And Trump is still the presumptive nominee. Was this inevitable? Were, were these primaries a self-fulfilling prophecy? Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you again, Mark. <laughs> Look, I mean, again, I think I think we forget where we were after the midterms, right? The November 2022 midterms, not that long ago, the Republicans did disastrously. I mean, they took, we took the House, but barely. They lost the Senate. I mean, they were supposed to take the Senate. They lost the Senate. The Democrats were able to retain the Senate, and largely because the analysis was the Republican Party had been tarred by Trump. And most of the Republican establishment had decided that that was the reason. And that's why... DeSantis came out of the starting gates with a huge advantage. So I don't think it's inevitable. And I also would argue that, you know, look, again, he won in Iowa. He won in New Hampshire. That for an open contest is unprecedented on the Republican side. But again, he comes out, I think, wounded, you know, struggling to get above 50 percent. And I do think it will be interesting to see how the numbers go in South Carolina and on Super Tuesday if Haley takes it that far, because if he continues to get wounded, what we saw Tuesday night in New Hampshire was he got angry, right? And he, you know, you have it in many ways a bit of a, a recreation of four years ago where you had Bernie Sanders hanging out, you know, for for a long time and, and, and Elizabeth Warren, right? Candidates who may not have a chance of winning but want to make a political point about the future of the party and are going to stay in the race in a way that could end up doing real damage to Trump when he heads in the general election. And that's why you have campaigns. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but most of the time you want to make a point. And I think Haley is making the point that other members of the Republican Party have unsuccessfully, that a party that is wedded to Trump is likely to lose, like they did in 2020, like they did in 2022. And I think that's a useful conversation to have, even though Haley is unlikely to win the nomination. I agree. And I also think, you know, 
whether or not you uh, are for her or against her. Uh, you know, one of the things she says over and over again is that American voters don't want a coronation. They want an election. And I think that's fair. You know, voters do want their say. The one thing I'll add in this, and this is a little bit more political science than than politics politics, is this is how both the Republican and Democratic Party wanted it to happen, right? Mm. If you go back on the Republican side, you had basically Gerald Ford in, in, in 76, sort of harassed endlessly by then-governor of California, Ronald Reagan, really damaged Ford going to the general election against Jimmy Carter. Similarly, four years later, Jimmy Carter damaged by Ted Kennedy, who ran against him and took him to the convention and whatnot. Both parties said, no more contested elections. <laughs> we want it decided early. So they front-loaded everything. They had a lot more winner-take-all primaries and, and, and caucuses because they thought this is the way to have a candidate that enters the general election undamaged. And what happens? the actual primaries themselves begin to become coronations. And it's now a problem because you have one party, at least, that is dominated by a cult of personality, which means that increasingly it's impossible to have a competitive election going through March or April even. It could all be done in February. And that's how America finds itself with a general election with two candidates that three quarters of the country doesn't want to see, right? But um, I don't know. I, I think those stats just boggle my mind when you think about just how many Americans left, right or center don't want to see Trump versus Biden. And yet it looks like it's what it's going to be. Lauren Fedor is the FT's deputy Washington bureau chief. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. And Peter Spiegel is the FT's U.S. managing editor. Thank you, Peter. Always fun. This was Swap Notes, the U.S. politics show from the FT News Briefing. It's produced by Sonia Hudson, Jake Harper, and me, Mark Filipino. We had help this week from Safia Ahmed. Our executive producer is Topo Forges, and Cheryl Brumley is the FT's global head of audio. Check back next week for more U.S. political analysis from the Financial Times. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.